Thanks for listening to Ruin My Childhood, the podcast where we decide if some things are better off left in the past. I'm Mike. And I'm Kat. And today we're going to do Jumanji, one of my favorite movies as a kid. And I think it's the perfect time to do it right now with the new one being in theaters. What do you think? Yeah. Well, I definitely enjoyed the new one. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a fantastic movie, but it's definitely entertaining. Yeah, it was. I definitely think it could have been a little shorter and still Oof. got the point made, but uh, it was a fun movie and there were some uh, nods to this one. For sure. It got me feeling a little bit nostalgic. Yeah, me too. Definitely. Just a little bit of a spoiler. Like There totally is a couple of callbacks directly to this movie. So I, I did appreciate that they were trying to do something new, but still like hey, this is some like sacred territory to an extent and we recognize what it is. So I did appreciate that. As sacred that. as something that is a continuation of a single film can right. be. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what do you remember about this movie? Oh, geez. I remember really loving this movie as a kid and it was massively successful. It was a great family movie. It was something I remember my entire family enjoyed watching together. Um, all the kids in the neighborhood were into it, and it was when Robin Williams was at his peak. Yeah, I mean, definitely. He was he was the big man in in film at the time, and everything he touched was gold. And I think um, that magic that he lent to film was really present in this one. I also remember that this was one of the first times when we got a large dose of CG animals in a yeah, film. Yeah, totally. And I don't know how it's going to hold up. It looked amazing. I remember being completely awestruck by it. And I definitely remember those little monkeys quite a bit. Yeah, I, I definitely remember the CG animals. And I do remember when we did our Twister episode a few episodes back that one of the trivia things was that they actually used, like they reskinned some of the animals from this for the cows. So the CG was really good <laughs> that they felt like they should reuse it in other movies. So right. that's pretty interesting. Getting ready for this podcast, oh, I started... Weird. I don't think of this movie being as old as that one. Yeah, it is. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, it has Kirsten Dunst in it as yeah, a as kid. As a child. Like, she looks really like she's like maybe not, 12. It doesn't feel that old to me. Yeah, it is. It's pretty old. It came out when I was in like second grade, I think. First or second grade. Oh, gross. But getting We're ready so for this... <laughs> yeah, we are. Um, <laughs> you're pushing 30. Oh. <laughs> But what I remember from this movie, or at least getting ready for this podcast, and I started reflecting on what I remember, this meme of like, what year is it, has been really big lately because they've been bringing back, you know, old properties like Jumanji's been, or not, well, of course, Jumanji's back and uh, Jurassic Park is back. So all these old movies are coming back. <laughs> so Women's that... lib is dead. <laughs> <laughs> but so I started thinking about what do I remember and slowly I started thinking about the big scenes and then I started slowly realizing I almost remember this entire movie like beat by beat. Like I couldn't give you dialogue, but I think I remember basically this entire movie. So I'm, I'm very interested to watch it. I'm not just gonna be like, I remember this and this and this. Let's just watch the movie and yeah. see how it holds up. Let's get into it. After 25 years in the jungle, Alan Parrish has come home. But he didn't come home alone. It's a stampede! Don't look back! It's Robin Williams ah! in the greatest movie adventure you'll ever take. Jumanji, rated PG, at theaters now. All right, so we just watched Jumanji, and I gotta say, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought 
thought I would, but there were also parts of it that I didn't realize were quite as horrible as they were. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I enjoyed it. I actually am the opposite. I didn't enjoy it quite as much as I thought. Like, I still think it was a fantastic movie and it was really fun. But I do think I had a little bit too much nostalgia for it and I don't think it quite lived up to it. But it was still a really, really good, fun movie. So, yeah, and the monkeys think, were pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, so obviously CG does not age well. It doesn't really matter what the film is. CG is not going to age well. I still think with the quality of the CG, this movie still holds up against other family films that are coming out today. I agree. Like, I'd say with the exception of the monkeys, like, the monkeys were pretty bad because they have facial expressions and stuff and they were prominently featured. But, like, the other animals, like the rhinos and the giraffes and the alligators and some of the animals that are less expressive, I thought looked really good still. Right. Yeah. And I think... You know, the, this era of really fantastic family films um, has come to an end. And so I think that's part of the reason that this film is still so good when you compare it with modern day family films where a lot of them are made for TV and they're just there. There is, doesn't seem to be as much of the budget for them in Hollywood anymore. Right. It's it's all the blockbusters and then the Oscar bait movies. Like I can't remember or think of the last like family movie. That wasn't animated. Right. And especially in the fantasy realm. Right. Um, yeah, I definitely think now was the right time to come back with something for Jumanji. And like mm -hmm. the new one, Jumanji Into the Jungle, I do think that they modernized it, but were still faithful to what the theme of the themes of the movie were. So right. I like I think it was a good choice to stick the rock in there, you know. And make it a video game. <laughs> I, Draw in that audience. Right. It's It was smart. And Kevin Hart is super hot right now. And Jack Black's <laughs> kind of on his way. Not super hot, like sexy, but you know. <laughs> He's so hot right now. Uh, His crossed eyes. Yeah. Um, so, ugh, Jumanji. I did not remember how terrible some of the acting was. Because, you know, in my mind, this is just, it's all Robin Williams. And, of course, it has... Kirsten Dunst, who, in my opinion, was one of the best child actors of all time. She was Her great. performance is still really, really solid. She won solid an Academy Award as a child. She's fantastic in this movie. Um, and I think that's part of the reason there's such a stark contrast with most of the other children. So the boy, the boy was that's good. That's the he voice of solid. Chip from Beauty and the Beast. Oh, well, that's a delightful trivia tidbit, Michael. Um, <laughs> but the other kids, so the movie starts with a flashback to, was like, it the 50s? I don't know, probably the 80s. I would say earlier Late than 50s, that. 50s, early 60s? No, this movie started in 1969, and that move, that thing was buried pretty deep. I'd say it was probably late 1800s, early 1900s. Oh, no, no, I didn't mean the very beginning. Oh, Sorry. okay. Yeah, so, the beginning was so 1969. So a large part towards the beginning of this movie was the 60s. And <laughs> the acting from pretty much everyone in this portion of the film is just painful. I, I don't think so. I think, uh, what's his name? David something Greer. Why can't I think of his name? David Allen Greer? David Allen Greer. I thought he was great. I thought they did a good job making really? him look younger. Oh, that hair. That hair was fantastic. Oof. And then I, I thought it was fun. The kids weren't so good. Like the bullies, they were like the stereotypical bullies and they weren't really One of great. my notes on this film is David Allen Greer does not, all in caps, look good with that hairstyle. I thought he looked like 10 <laughs> years younger than he, he was. 
at <laughs> least. He looked awful. But I disagree. Whatever. I mean, <laughs> he looked young because this movie is old. He's a but lot have... younger than he was in Return to Me, which is like usually what we see him in. Well, I, I don't know what Return to Me is, but... Uh, it has David Duchovny and Minnie Driver, Michael. I haven't seen it, but... What? His wife this... dies and, and then Minnie Driver gets his dead it. wife's heart? Oh, that's weird. I hate that Ugh. idea. I love it. Um, but I mean, so the movie <laughs> in a nutshell, I guess we should just like quickly summarize it. Most people have probably seen Jumanji, but you know, for those of you who haven't, or for some reason listening to this, we'll summarize it real quick. So basically in a nutshell, you this, weirdos, you weirdos. Um, so, um, Alan Parrish play is the, um, character that Robin Williams plays. And as a child, he's, you know, bullied and he goes and runs and hides at his father's factory. And his father's like the richest man in town. He's taking care of the whole town by running this business and is employing basically everyone. So it's a really, really big deal. And his father is very much like a man's man. Like, don't be a coward. Go stand up to the bullies, not realizing that there's like five or six bullies. He thinks it's one bully. So his son gets the snot beat out of him because he forced him to go fight a bully. And he watches from the window. Right. <laughs> he totally, he totally <laughs> does, does nothing. As they're destroying his bike. Yeah. So... After he gets the snot beat out of him, he, like, runs through a construction yard, and then, like, everybody just leaves. I guess it's lunchtime. And right. he hears drumming. And He's so just he, like, wandering around this open pit without a hard hat. Right. <laughs> and everybody leaves, but he hears this drumming, and he keeps, like, walking towards the drumming, and he, like, digs up a giant thump, crate, thump. which was filled with dirt. Like, I don't feel like he should have been able to lift that box, but somehow right. he have did. Have you ever, like, tried to pull something out of the side of a cliff? It doesn't come out so easy. Especially when it's a giant wooden crate filled with sand. sand. <laughs> <laughs> so he pulls it out. He, he finds a board kid. game. He, he definitely wasn't because he, he got the snot out of him. Getting ready for his moment. Shut up. <laughs> so he finds the the uh, the game. He brings it home. His dad comes in and says, "You know what? You're a man. You stood up to the bullies. I didn't realize there was like five of them. That was my bad for sending you out there." <laughs> and <laughs> he goes, he "Just figured he'd wait till he got home to have that apology right. instead of you know like." Going out there and running after him, right? And so he's like, you're a man now, so I'm going to send you to some boarding school where, like, your father, I went, and my father went, and my father's father went, and you're ready now. And they have a fight. He's like, I don't want to go to boarding school. I don't want to go to a place that's named after me. This is stupid. So dad's like, you're going to go. Quit being a baby. After they have their little, like, fight, the mom and dad leave to go to some, like, charity event or something. And this girl comes who is the boy or the girlfriend, the boyfriend, the girlfriend of the bullies saying like, hey, I brought your bike back. I'm really sorry that they did this. And they decide to play the Jumanji game. And the very first turn, he gets sucked into the game and it fast forwards 30 years later. And basically what ends up happening, there's these two orphans who are living with their aunt, um, who's Lilith and Frazier is the aunt. <laughs> and then you've got so the two kids that are living with their aunt, the orphans. Their names are Peter and Judy, and they end up living in Alan's house. So they end up finding the board game for like days. They keep hearing drumming, and they decide to start playing. And of course, the board game comes to life. I think the very first thing they have like a couple like wild animals come, and then there's like giant mosquitoes, and then they roll, and Alan comes back as an adult, and it's Robin Williams. And basically, they're just trying to finish the game and put life back to normal. Pretty much. Got a couple problems with this. Okay, go for it. <laughs> um, so pretty early on in the movie, these kids move into this house with their aunt, and then they hear rumors about things that happened in the house. 
Right. And of course, the aunt purchased <laughs> the house for a real steal. And you know, like we've talked about this, we would totally buy a murder house if we got a good deal on it. Like I love a bargain. <laughs> and that's usually how it goes. Like if if the house is cheap, something went down, there's got to be some bad juju. So these kids, and obviously Judy is like super morbid. She likes to tell people fake stories about how her parents died and she revels in their shock and horror. And uncomfort. Uncomfort. And discomfort. <laughs> English. You try that again? No, I'm gonna leave it in. <laughs> so, you know, pretty early on, we've established that these kids, you know, they've got they got kind of like dark, twisted minds. Then they discover this board game, and it's up in the attic, and all these weird things start happening. And for some reason, their first thought is not ghosts. Like I call BS on that. Why would you call BS? Clearly, it's the game. The game says they read, they open up the second flap, and it's like this world will come into your world. It explains it. Yeah, but then all these creepy things start happening that look like ghosts, and they're in the attic. And you know, when kids go up into an attic, their first thought I is get ghosts. It. It, especially when they found out that, or they think somebody was murdered there, which is pretty messed up. So, <laughs> the reason that they hear these rumors is the first rumor they hear is that uh. Like this exterminator comes because they see like a bat in the attic. So the exterminator comes and tells them that the father went crazy and chopped up Alan into little pieces and hid him all over the house, right. which is super <laughs> messed up for an adult to tell two children. And yeah, it's just awful. He's it's an so exterminator. Messed up. He's working with a lot of chemicals, Michael. That's true. He should be more compassionate. <laughs> Yeah, so pretty early on, I mean, I think that's a little, a little weird that they don't think that these are ghosts. And then they just keep on playing the game, which is like even more screwed up. Well, I think, yeah, that it's it's one of those things where you would think it'd be a little bit more like a scary movie where they have a little bit more denial before accepting their fate that they need to actually keep playing the game. Right, and then like a slutty girl dies and a black guy dies and then like <laughs> the rest continues. Well, that's the thing that's actually kind of <laughs> messed up about this movie is... This is something that I completely forgot about. So the first or second turn, they like roll out these giant mosquitoes and they like hit them with tennis brackets and stuff. And eventually like all the mosquitoes like fly out a broken window. And throughout the movie, you hear like paramedics from like, oh, there's another bite. And by the end of the movie, you find out that there's like 90 people have been bitten by these mosquitoes and gone unconscious or right. died. Yeah. This game is not just punishing the people who open it and who play it and have some kind of idea of how to defeat these things like this game is just unleashed up upon everyone in the proximity yeah so at one point towards the end of the movie just one of the things like there's a, uh, a monsoon and it fills the house with water and eventually the house kind of breaks and like all the water flows out into the street and there's alligators and crocodiles swimming around in the street there's a stampede at one point with like rhinos and stuff like that like they're destroying the town and the monkeys are driving cars and shooting shotguns right yeah the the monkeys hop into the police cruiser they could have killed someone with the rifle they shot through the roof and then they take off in in the car right it's crazy yeah. and then it also they call forth like a um a big game hunter like old-timey hunter with a funny hat like the explorer hat and he's going around <laughs> shooting so that scene is ridiculous oh my god as an adult i was very troubled you know how he got his new weapon so right uh robin williams character alan rolls and this like hunter comes out and 
he's going to be chasing the rest of the movie. So another side plot that I didn't mention, the summary is this hunter guy's hunting them the entire time, trying to stop them from playing the game so he can kill Alan. And you know what's funny is I remember him being a much larger and uh, I'd say like more intimidating character than he actually was. This time, I just kind of felt like he was this little throwaway nuisance. Well, it's funny. What's interesting is he's the same actor that plays the father. And I think which it's, you know, a pretty good thing because he was afraid of his father and he needed to stand up to his father and stand up to the world and everything like that. So it was a good little foil. That actor has actually been in another movie that we covered. Did you know that? No. He played the butler in Richie Rich. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) But to get back to my point, what really troubled me is he runs out of ammo because he's got this like old timey, like late 1800s, like elephant rifle. And he runs out of ammo, so he guns to a gun. He goes to a gun shop. And he's like, "I need ammo." They're like, "They stopped making that ammo in 1904." And he's like, "All right, I'll need a new gun." And he's like, "You're gonna have to wait two weeks for a cool down period." And he just drops I like how a bunch they just of gold. Knew that little bit of gun history, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, no, who, why would you know that? But he drops <laughs> down like a bag of gold, and the guy's like, "All right, I'll fill out this paperwork." And he just gives him like a high-powered, semi-automatic, silenced sniper rifle, right? <laughs> And like what? Like clearly, if this guy is coming with his weapons, I mean, and what trying to state buy it, is this supposed to be in? Because if I, it's West Virginia, like that totally makes sense. I feel like it's like New England because you know everything in the '90s was like New England. <laughs> That's true. It was always children moving to New England. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was weird. I was kind of like in in our political climate with like gun control and all the stuff that's going on. I was just like. That's really irresponsible. He's definitely going to go <laughs> shoot some people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are some weird things that are happening here that are uh, very irresponsible. I mean, so like the cop, who calls the cop in the first place? Nobody. He's just like driving by and he sees, uh, he's just driving by <laughs> and. <laughs> Alan is like dressed in like a loincloth and he's got a giant beard. He's walking across the street and he like slams on the brakes and almost hits him and he jumps up on top of the car to prevent right. himself from getting and that's he just happens to be passing by. Yeah, so the cop is like not paying attention. This dude like obviously he's wearing he's wearing like an animal hide tunic and some kind of a shawl made out of giant leaves and he looks like a wild bushman and he sees him standing on the side of the road. And, like, we know that he sees him, and he doesn't question yeah. the situation, and he gets distracted by something, and then he almost runs the guy over. Now, granted, he steps out in the street in front of him, but, like, he's been in Jumanji for a while. He's a little bit Loopy. nutty. And then this cop, like, almost runs him over, almost kills him. The dude jumps up on his car, and instead of being like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I almost killed you. And oh my God, you're an amazing acrobat. That was some really amazing jumping you just did. He gets out and he's like, get off of my car. Like comes at him all hot like that. Like that was rude and irresponsible. Yeah. But you know what also is like And he's not even concerned that this guy might be like on PCP and try and eat his (laughs) face or something. Well, that that wasn't a big thing in the 90s. He's not a very good or cautious cop, in my opinion. being a cop was not what his original career path was, so... He wanted to make shoes, so he's just a bad cop? That is not an excuse, Michael. Well, you know, his life I'm sure there are plenty of cops who wanted to make shoes and had their dreams crushed, and they still do their jobs well. (laughs) What? I salute you, good sirs and ma'ams. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, it just wasn't very fair. <laughs> you know what else is messed up about this movie? They bond over dead parents. Well, that, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a scene where they he's really adamant that he goes and sees his family. And he finds out, like, he runs into some, like, random dude. And he's like, oh, yeah, they, he they died. Into- he, he runs into some random dude. And he's like, oh, yeah, they went, you know, crazy. They closed down the shop. They spent all their money trying to find their son. But they died a few years ago. And so they go to the graveyard. And <laughs> he, he like, sees, just missed them. He just missed them by, like, five years. But um, <laughs> so they go to the graveyard. And he's, like, staring longingly at the, lovingly at their um, their tombstone. And then Judy, played by uh, Kirsten Dunst, is just like, our parents are dead, too. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Super awkward. A little bit insensitive, but I mean, like, she is a kid, so yeah, yeah. Um, kids are weird. You know what else is messed up about this movie? It's a bummer. It's a it is. There bummer. are parts that are definitely bummers, but they uh, <laughs> they realize that it's not their turn anymore. The game's not letting them play, so they realize they need to get Sarah, played by Bonnie Hunt, to... Sarah was the little girl who was yeah. Alan Parrish's friend. Right, and so they need to go find her, so they find her as an adult. And they tell her what's going on. She faints. They break into her house. And, and then they carry her, her <laughs> presumably several blocks. Like unconscious. And no one stops them. Where's that cop? Out right? there not doing his job. Almost running people over. Right. So then they bring <laughs> her into the house. And they keep forcing. She keeps trying to be like, I'm going to go make iced tea. Trying to like obviously make it an escape. <laughs> they and they keep just hostage. like holding her hostage until they play the game. <laughs> which is the right thing. The only way out was through. That was the right move. But there were variants that they're just like, you need to quit being a baby, not recognizing that she spent 30 years agonizing over this, is right. mentally she ill has because PTSD. of it. No one believed her. Right. It's Poor ridiculous. <laughs> She's a good character. I love Bonnie Hunt. I wish we saw more of her. Yeah, what happened to her? I don't know. Maybe she had kids and got bored. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, speaking of, you kind of mentioned this movie is a little dark earlier. It is. It's like, okay. And here, here's the thing. I think we kind of forgot that a lot of kids and family movies back when we were growing up were a little bit dark. Like they're a lot right. heavier and had like much more, I don't know, just complex life issues that they dealt with than movies today. Like there was a lot of divorce in those movies. Right. In the 90s there, and stuff like that. There was death. I mean, like Tom and Huck was pretty dang dark. Do you remember yeah. that one? Yeah. Yeah, so well, they dealt with like some heavy stuff in these movies, and like this movie's no exception. I well, had totally forgotten about that. I just remember it being like this fun romp with adventure right. and CG animals and Robin Williams, but so, it, it was pretty loaded. <laughs> it is. So let's just like count off some things really quick. So mosquitoes that killed like ninety people, right? Massive property damage by animals. Them I, not calling in the CDC to figure out why people what's going are dying. on. You've got. <laughs> Somebody with PTSD, you've got this man who's been trapped in the jungle for 30 years, Coming adapting to and society, his are dead. and his family are, is dead. You've got all. Uh, you've got um, a guy hunting the greatest game, man. They've got people <laughs> hunting people. Two this kids movie. with dead parents. And at one point, this chi- the, then they both have like mental illness a little bit. Like they're both right, suffering the from forms talking. of depression. He's not talking. And then- this boy cheats at some point, and he is transformed into a human-monkey hybrid. <laughs> he looks like he's from Whoville. He does, yeah. He looks like the Who's in the uh, <laughs> Jim Carrey <laughs> Grinch movie. 
But I think the darkest part of this movie, and I'm just going to insert the, um, the, the speech. We don't need your help. I don't think so. You think monkeys, mosquitoes, and lions are bad? That's just the beginning. I've seen things you've only seen in your nightmares. Things you can't even imagine. Things you can't even see. There are things that hunt you in the night. Then something screams. Then you hear them eating. And you hope to God that you're not dessert. Afraid? You don't even know what afraid is. You will not last five minutes without me. So, you're gonna help us? I'll watch. But I'm not afraid. <laughs> that speech That's is nice dark. for a kid's movie. What is this rated anyway? It's PG. What? Yeah, it's you're just kidding. PG. No, it's just PG. Oh my gosh! Well, yeah. I guess there's no there's no blood. They don't show anyone dying. There's no blood and there's no swearing. They're, it's pretty heavy though. It it, this it is, is like heavy, bordering on PG thirteen, I'd say. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, we've hit most of the major themes of the movie. Are there any like standout like scenes that you want to talk about? Oh, I loved the scene where um the cop and Bonnie Hunt, what's her name, Sarah? Yeah, where the cop and Sarah are out on this road. And one of the vines like grabs the police cruiser no, the car. and just like crunches, <laughs> crunches it. it. Like it's it looks so good, and I love his scream. <laughs> yeah, there was a couple things that I I really liked. Like I think the plants were really done well. Like I think some of that yeah. was practical. Oh, for um, sure. The lion in some points looked dumb. Like there was some part. Oh my god, there was one scene with the lion that was really bad. <laughs> so they and, and on one hand, it it's really fantastic for animatronics, and I think it. It's pretty close to the standard that we hold, that we held animatronics to until very recently. Right. I think the problem was that, like, it looked like it had gingivitis. Like, the fleshy parts in the mouth was kind of pinkish red. Yeah. yeah. Well, close, my thing was no there was cigar. points where it was CG, and uh, <laughs> there's a point when uh, it's chasing Alan, and he, like, jumps up on a chandelier to, like, get it to jump into the door frame, and he, like, locks it into a closet. Mm-hmm. But, the CG, they didn't time it right, and there's literally a point where you can see the line go through his leg. So right. there's a little bit of bad filmmaking there. Um, but the animatronic, the animatronic was great. I think the monkeys didn't hold up because they were they made expressions and stuff like that. So that was well, pretty and their obvious. Faces were a little more human than monkey. They didn't quite look a lot like any particular species right. of monkey. And so that might have been where they, that went wrong. And that might have been stylized specifically because it's supposed to be like the artwork on the board game kind of thing. So it could be that it's stylized like the Pulp Fiction kind of like books right. and stuff like that. Same so, thing for the lion. It's kind of like an angular, muscular version of a lion. Right. Um, the plants still looked great. I There's thought the plants looked fantastic. plant that looks like <laughs> a hybrid between Audrey from Little Shop of Horrors and, well, an anus. my anus. <laughs> <laughs> i mean you tell me mike yeah. oh gross <laughs> um one of my favorite scenes in the movie and this is one of the first things i remembered is this like scream and i'm never going to be able to like recreate the scream but there's a oh. point where um there are a couple good screams in there's this a couple movie. good screams in this movie but there's a point where uh alan actually gets arrested by by david allen greer's cop character 
and they're trying to get the board game back because the hunter guy stole the board game. So Sarah, Peter, and Judy are trying to get the game back, and they end up in this like Walmart-like store. I think it was called like Sir Save a Lot or something like that. And Judy and <laughs> Sarah are, somehow get the game, and they're playing like hot potato, running around the store trying to distract the hunter guy. Meanwhile, Peter like pulls like a Home Alone, and he sets up these traps where he like takes like laundry detergent down one aisle, and like and he did it really it quickly, really quick, and then he goes and gets a canoe and like scuba tanks and sets it up on this weight rack and he drops like weights to like snap part of the scuba tank off and it like makes like a rocket towards the hunter and like it hits him and he's like flying through the store and he's like does this scream he's like (laughs) it's so bad we should play it so it's funny and then he goes flying and he gets covered in paint and stuff that scene made me laugh so hard when we watched it <laughs> it looks ridiculous yeah it really I mean, did there were definitely a few moments in this movie where you know for lack of the technology to do the effects practically or via cg they just ended up speeding up film and oh it just there looks was ridiculous. quite a few times they did that like when he's wrestling the alligator yeah Oh, yeah, there were a few of those. Yeah, there's a lot of scenes where they speed it up and it's just a little awkward. And there were a couple of wounded stuntmen involved with the alligators. Yeah, so after we watch the movie, we go and look up like trivia and stuff. And there's a scene where he fights an alligator that actually looks fantastic. It looks really it good. Actually, I think good. it was a crocodile. He mentions like crocodiles have like fur on their chins or something like that. <laughs> what? Um, so he's like wrestling it and everything. But apparently while making this movie, that uh, the crocodile is actually a couple dudes in a big crocodile suit. And he's like wrestling it and apparently he got really into it because I was like in a tank and he got adrenaline and he's just like starts punching the alligator crocodile thing. And there were people in the costume and he was literally punching them. It's really funny to find out afterwards that he got really into it and did that. Oh, man. (laughs) And then the ending stunt guys to do that and in water and then have Robin Williams punching you in the ribs. (laughs) Right. He's. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we get to the end of the movie? Because I definitely want to talk about the ending of the movie. Um, <laughs> well, this is pretty close to the end of the movie, but um, you kind of get the sense that Sarah's character is trying to reconnect with Alan at the right. end. And then, you know, you think it's going to like build into something and then she- he just totally shuts her down. And you realize in that moment that he's emotionally and sexually stunted. And that's that like. Yeah, they just totally drop that and move on with their lives. Right, he's 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 <laughs> wired for survival only. The right. only thing that kind of bugs me about his thing is that uh, he's a little chubby for somebody who's been surviving in the jungle for thirty years. <laughs> That's harsh. Um, now, granted, he's not as chubby as he's been in other movies and stuff. Like he he's trimmer than he is in um, Mrs. Doubtfire, I'd say, in other movies. But he's definitely yeah. not a trim man. Um, <laughs> definitely nowhere as near as trim as he was for uh, Hook. But yeah, he, <laughs> I don't believe for a minute he's been in a jungle surviving for 30 years. I mean, it kind of depends on what kind of jungle. I and guess. how many other things you have to fight for food. Well, he talks about everything that they've seen so far is actually like nothing compared to what's out there. So Maybe presumably, he started pollinating avocados. Well. They're the good fat. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to talk about the new one really briefly because we just watched it. So basically, in a nutshell, 
there, yeah, there's a point. Up this one. Well, I just want. I'm gonna. It's gonna tie into what we're talking about with him no, specifically. Okay. So, in the new one, they end up in this treehouse, and it says Alan Parrish carved into it. So they find the treehouse that he's in, that he lived in for the thirty years. That it's a pretty sweet treehouse. It was. Now the thing that bothers candles. me is that movie, the new one, kind of breaks this movie a little bit. So in this one. It's very heavily implied that it's really just jungle, endless jungle, and it's him and the hunter guy are like the only people. But in the right. new one, there's an entire town outside yeah. of the jungle that they're able to get to pretty quickly. So it's like, I get that you're a child and everything, but if you became the master of the jungle like you said you were, how did you not find out that there was a, like a bazaar? down the way and the, the new movie well, you shows... never travel further than you can get back, back to shelter and safety before dark i so get that, that. kind of makes sense but in the new one it's explains that there are helicopters there's vehicles there are other explorers in 30 years he didn't run into anybody or see a helicopter or a plane nope oh okay <laughs> that settles that i guess <laughs> maybe jumanji is evolving simultaneously with the real world well, it does. In the new one, so it definitely it does. So gotten like, to that level of population when Maybe. it was out there. Maybe. I don't mm. know. I mean, it's magic. Oh. I'm not going to nitpick magic too much. Right. I mean, like it creates a freaking game cartridge right, in just the new to one. mess with people. Right. <laughs> it's a malevolent board game that just likes to mess with people's but lives. But then again, I don't know if it actually into their world. is malevolent. Like, it's... Every person, like in the both in the new movie and this one, everybody who plays the game comes out a better person for it. They the one thing that they needed to improve on, they become bet the better versions of themselves playing this game. So, you know, we don't see Judy and Peter too much after like they're briefly in the end of the movie when everything gets fixed, but Alan is more compassionate and more open to communicating, but he's also braver and willing to stand up for what he believes in kind of thing so like the people come out better after playing the game and in, in the new one same thing people are more confident the people who are mean are more compassionate so i don't know if it's necessarily an evil game because like, it makes people better but it's if definitely messed survive. up if you survive that brings <laughs> a couple questions for what what happens if somebody died like what if the lion killed one of the children could they could the rest of them not finish playing the game oh i don't know i think they just disappear right I don't know. This is weird. I hate it. <laughs> I don't like thinking about it. So I wish to wrap up this right. film. So do you want to go over like the last scene of the movie? Do you want to kind no. of summarize that? Okay. So basically in a nutshell, <laughs> everything is okay. They beat the game and it fast forwards to the modern day or 1996. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they're having a party. Sarah, uh, Sarah and Alan are married and they're having a big Christmas party. And it's now the time where they about the time Wait, that. Wait, so this wraps up the same year that the new one starts. Yes, okay. which has another problem with, but I'm not going to get into it. That's nitpicky. All but right. <laughs> they're having a Christmas party for like the company, and they hired Judy and Peter's parents to come work for them. And then they say like, "Oh, we're going to go to Aspen and go skiing," and they're like, "No, stop! Don't you know?" Because they know that these these adults were going to die in the skiing accident right. because they but found But why a... did the game drop them back earlier than when they started playing? It didn't. They they started them right when they were playing the game. 
Like it was bright back in the sixties. He still had his black eye. His nose was still bleeding and everything like that. It was right when it picked up right where they uh, he got sucked into the game. Oh, so so the two orphan kids were never even conscious. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so the, the two, two orphan, orphan kids, kids were never even, even conscious that it. they had this experience. But these two children wiped from their memories. These two children have thirty years worth of memories. So this child has thirty years of sur- jungle survival skills. But he's only like 13, 14 years old. So he could go be like a Navy SEAL and be like ready to go <laughs> and everything. Like he's tough. Like he knows how to fight and everything now. I mean, and then he she. A little, a little tubby, but. Yeah. yeah. But she, that Sarah has 30 years of trauma pl- <laughs> and going back to a child. So like their things are kind of messed up. Like they're a little off. So like they have the party and they're like, they go out of their way to find these children's parents and hire them so they can go see these kids that they remember. But have never actually met. Here's another thing that kind of gets me. So in the new Jumanji, when they meet up with um, the teenage boy who disappeared. Right. He thinks it's only been a few weeks. Right. When in reality, it's been years and years that he's been missing. Yeah. So time is like passing more slowly. I think in that one, it's a little ambiguous because it says that he's tried things over and over and over again. But and, he thinks it's only been a few weeks. Well, no, because he mentions that it took three months for one thing to happen. I mean, that's an entirely different way. I think that he probably lost part of himself. Like, he probably didn't even realize what was going on until people came into the game again. I don't know. Right. That's... But then, so like this emotionally stunted 30-some-odd-year-old man, which <laughs> Robin Williams is a lot older than 30-something. Well, no, it's 30 years on top of his 40. He was clearly in his 40s because he was already like, he like, 14 like, years old. Late 40s. Yeah, he was like 14 when he went into the game and then another 30 years. And, you know, he you're going to have. 14? He was like nine. No, he was way older than that. What? He was way bigger than a nine year old. He was in like middle school. They were talking about girlfriends and stuff already. Weird. Anyway, so. So this dude, Alan, gets sucked into this game and he has like no human interaction for all these years. He's except missing... for someone hunting him. Except for someone hunting him. So he's missing 30 some odd years of human interaction and developmental growth, like on an emotional level, on a sexual level, like he's going to be really mentally screwed up. And that's my point is when then he he gets with Sarah, with Sarah eventually, because at the end of the movie, they're married and they're having a baby. So, I mean, oh, but they're so awkward, responsible thing. It's not my thing that. I think is creepy is these children were they go back before these children were even born mm-hmm. so the children that they know and bonded with during this experience don't Never actually exist, exist because yeah. their parents are still alive so they don't have this trauma right. so they go out of their way to find these parents hire them so they can go live there and then they do a solid and prevent their death by not letting them go to aspen to ski where right. they die and they're like doting on these children, giving them Christmas gifts. And they're like, Super just creepy. like we remember, oh, we love you and everything like that. And it's like, you don't know these kids. If I were the parents, I'd be like, where <laughs> did I we get into? <laughs> it's super weird. And it's like, in retrospect, it's weird. Back then, you know, when you're watching the movie, you know, it's kind of sweet, but it's really kind of weird. Right. Yeah. It's super creepy. Yeah. <laughs> but overall, what did, overall, what did you think of the movie? movie. <laughs> it was fun. I... I don't think it lived up quite to my my hype just because, you know, the CG. I remember the CG being fantastic, and I thought that it was going to be better than it was. Like, I knew it wasn't going to be as good as today's standards. 
But I felt like it was going to be a little better than it was. I think I thought it was going to be better because I just didn't realize quite how old this movie is. Right. One of the things for me was I was watching it. I, I didn't, forgot who directed it. So as I was watching it and then I saw uh, Joe Johnston directed, I'm like, oh, this is going to be fantastic because he did so many movies from my childhood. He did this. He did The Rocketeer. He did, uh, I can't think of it. He did like four or five movies that I loved as a kid and Captain America. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, this movie is going to be great. And I immediately was back on board as soon as I found out he directed it. Yeah. So I mean, it's solid. It's a solid film. I think it still stands up to modern day family and kid movies. And I think it's definitely worth watching again. Yeah, I I would watch it again. We actually have it on Blu-ray. We bought it a few years ago, but just haven't got around to watching it. I'm glad we finally took the time to do it. Right. Uh, So Katrina, what are we going to do next week? Next week, we are going to watch Dante's Peak. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, I figured, you know, the, the Ring of Fire's awakening and... We've had a couple of earthquakes. Having a lot of earthquakes. <laughs> and LA's on fire. Yeah, I mean, perpetually. Well, LA, LA kind of flooded yesterday. Like, Slauson was a river. The car that was in front of me just kind of, like, died and started floating backwards. You know, uh, the whole world's going to hell. So, I thought a disaster movie would be perfect. I agree. <laughs> um, so, Katrina, mm. where can our listeners find you on the interwebs? I'm all over the internet at Katrinaocity. Check out my YouTube and channel. And for anything that's MDX Pods related, of course, go to mdxpods.com. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at mdxpods. If you want to support the show, check us out on patreon.com slash mdxpods. Check out our other podcast, Remake Rewind. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thank you for uh, listening to the show and supporting us. And uh, yeah, thank you.